0: Welcome to Art and Labor. You can cut that out if you want to. Uh, this is Art and Labor Podcast. I'm Tarsi Wilder. We got OK Fox. We got Sarah. We got Sarah Crow. We got we got we got our special guest, uh, John White. Hi, John. Welcome. Hi.
1: How are you? How are you? How are you fixed?
0: Um, so we so John White, close personal friend of mine at Scoot Lord on Twitter. Currently banned from for the well, currently suspended for the past week for telling Andy Ngo to, that he wished that a piano fell on his head and that the his teeth turned into piano keys. Is that
1: right?
2: <laughs> they're cracking down.
1: It's they're cracking down. This happened to me, and it is you know um, a great injustice, especially considering mm. that I was uh, suspended and then unsuspended. After an appeal, and then three hours later, was resuspended. So I'd like to. I'm on this podcast today to to seek justice from Twitter (laughs) uh, for this for what has been done to me. We're actually recording. We're recording
2: live from the Twitter headquarters. Uh We're all handcuffed
1: to the door, Um,
0: but we handcuffed the wrong door. So people are
2: coming in. Yeah, I think it's still coming (laughs) in.
1: By the time. By the time our protest will have ended, will will we'll be finished. My suspension <laughs> will be ended. It's going to be finished in two days and three hours. I find that out. Timer. I do actually. I find out every time I go to like a tweet that I'm allowed not allowed to like tweets.
2: Can I just say the same thing happened to me recently? Some somebody reported a tweet I wrote in 2018 that just said "death to all CEOs," <laughs> and then. Um, And and so then I was suspended, but then I I just deleted it and got it back immediately. But then I did another tweet where I was like, um, you know, uh, I was making a reference to an article about like how fucking stupid NFTs are. And like, whenever zine fairs come back, we're going to like give out uh, cards that just say die, bitch on them. (laughs) Like, and and so I like, I referenced that article and uh, got, a big big su- suspension like because i think it's like they're combing like you're on thin ice or something you do it yeah
3: once. like we even got a tiktok taken down because uh i was at a baby shower on saturday and we got like stamps so we could like make little onesies with messages on them and so it was all like it's all a bunch of communists so it was like spit up on the rich and like Stupid <laughs> shit, and so someone took a little TikTok of it, and it got taken down within like an hour. It was reported they take it down, at, down a yeah. lot. Yeah,
0: I think. Mm-hmm. yeah. A lot. it got taken down.
3: It got well. They're also um, yeah. They like self-select a lot.
1: <laughs> a lot of times, I mean, the last time I was suspended before this was for calling a loyalist a numpty. Um, <laughs> and, and what's and this it, slang? That's
0: like. Yeah, but what, is what world that? is Ireland in?
1: I mean, Ireland, yeah, so we, yeah.
0: I asked John to come on because since he's suspended, uh he I can't look at his Twitter and find oh, out yeah. what's going on in Ireland. <laughs> um, was a which, which is usually a great source to me, um, to figure out what's going on. And so I thought that since uh you know Irish ignorance is a real problem in America uh maybe John can explain some things uh similarly so cuz you were also suspended cuz he was talking about he was talking about Ireland right yeah so Stuff's popping off there
1: yeah so uh there's currently or there has been over the last week or so uh riots across the north of Ireland um because the loyalist community Uh, there's no one way to pinpoint why the riots are happening, right? But like the, to start off with what's going on is like the loyalist community uh, is aggrieved because of various reasons, one of which is the Brexit has created a border in the Irish Sea between the the North Ireland and the United Kingdom and the there's been protests and these protests have led to rioting in uh, loyalist communities. And so it's been really interesting to see it pop off on Twitter uh, because you have like Americans who are like, (laughs) who are conservative Americans who are saying things like, yeah, just wait till the Irish Republicans get them, you know, or. um, The
0: Republicans will straighten it all out. The
1: Republicans will straighten (laughs) it all out. Or like, oh my God, look at Antifa. There's Antifa in Northern Ireland. (laughs) Oh, and like Andy... because they, they
0: both because they they, they
1: they they all wear black, they, yeah, because yeah. antifa and loyalists in northern Ireland all wear black, uh it's obviously black block, um and so <laughs> Andy Nago or no uh has like decided to like jump in and and have an opinion about what's ha you know about what's going on in the north of Ireland. and it was in that time where. He said some dumb shit and I was like, All right, bro. I hope a piano falls on your head and your teeth become piano keys. Um, And then I was suspended from Twitter uh, and the riots continued unabated without my ability to opine. Uh, So but yeah, so that's kind of what's going on at the moment. Um, The riots are happening. You know, like I said, you can't pinpoint it because of one particular thing. It's happening because of Brexit. It's not because of Brexit. It's happening because of the border, which is a result of Brexit negotiations. It's happening because, um, you know, uh, supposedly, which I don't agree with, there was a funeral of a prominent Republican activist in 2020. And, you know, it was a larger funeral. And over the course of, you know, the mourning of the loss of the activist, um, COVID regulations were broken, and there was no prosecution of Sinn Fein leadership because of breaking these COVID regulations. But really, fundamentally, it comes down to in the north of Ireland, um, since the Good Friday Agreement twenty three years ago in nineteen ninety eight, um, the Catholic community has been able to make great strides in equality, and unfortunately, uh, in the loyalist community, equality feels like oppression, and. You know, these riots, I think, are um, a big part of that.
2: Yeah, wait, and, and um, explain like uh, Sinn Fein to our listeners and uh, maybe, yeah, some of the political parties at play here.
1: Yeah. So, um, so it's like really, I know there's a podcast, and so I just want to make it clear that broad swaths like I'm going to be painting in some broad brushes here in a very complex in a in a historical context that requires complex and nuance but like to boil it down you know the north of the illegal statelet known as Northern Ireland uh which I refer to as the North of Ireland uh is a the northern part of the island of Ireland that consists of six of the 32 counties of Ireland. It was created 100 years ago as a result of the Protestant majority in the area not wanting to be a part of the rest of Ireland, which was majority Catholic. Um, there, it encompasses six of the nine counties of the province of Ulster. There are four provinces in Ireland, Munster, Leinster, Connacht, and Ulster. Um, and Northern Ireland, the state, consists of six of the nine counties of Ulster and three of the counties, Donegal, Monaghan and Cavan are in uh, the Republic of Ireland, which is the 26 counties of Southern Ireland. In Northern Ireland, the two main political parties today, right, the most powerful political parties are Sinn Féin, which represents the Republican community, uh, which can be seen as like the Catholic community, but not always. And the Unionist Party, which is the DUP, the Democratic Unionist Party, uh, which represents the Loyalist tradition, which can be mapped onto the Protestant community. There are two other smaller parties which used to represent the majority of the political opinion in Northern Ireland, and they are the SDLP, the Social Democratic and Labor Party and um, the UUP, the Ulster Unionist Party. And today those two smaller parties represent a more moderate form of um, nationalism and a more moderate form of loyalism. Uh, So today in government, you have Sinn Féin and you have uh, the DUP run by, Sinn Féin is run by um, Michelle O'Neill, and uh the DUP is run by Arlene Foster. Um I know this is a lot, so like <laughs> well, it's also like what
0: you said about, you know, uh, painted with broad strokes, it's centuries it's you know, it's a little it's a little argument that goes that you know, it's on a tiny island that goes back centuries and then within the past like hundred years a lot seems to have happened.
1: Yeah, so it's like you have these two political parties. Like 100 years ago, the state of North the the North of Ireland becomes a state and it's essentially an apartheid state. It was a Protestant state for a Protestant people and it was created with this Protestant majority um, however there was a sizable Catholic minority. So it was like 40% Catholic, 60% Protestant, but over time like today it's like 50-50, you know. Like taking out the political opinions and just strictly saying religious, because people don't necessarily subscribe to Catholicism or, you know, Protestantism, but it's the best it's the easiest way to categorize it. So like today the pro the population of Northern Ireland is like fifty percent Catholic, fifty percent Protestant, or something close to that. And you have Sinn Fein and the DUP, which are in government together, but they don't really get along. You know? So like you have this two-party system essentially um, where the every time one side does something wrong, the other side blames them. So like Arlene Foster can't get out of who's the leader of the Protestant opposite, the Protestant DUP can't get out of bed and like her toe without blaming Sinn Fein. You know, like, uh, a couple of years ago, the the government of the North of Ireland um, collapsed because Arlene Foster's DUP, got caught stealing a bunch of money for like illegal wood cuttings. Like it's, there's more to it obviously, but they would misplace public funds and like they tried to spin everything and blame it on Sinn Féin, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and-, and I
0: think, was, was she the one that, that tweeted uh, that like, oh, these, uh, these riots don't represent uh, loyal, lo- loyalism, unionism, the, let's focus on the real criminals, the, uh, the people mourning the IRA leader
1: Bobby Story. for that funeral. Yeah. And so like yeah. so like you have Arlene Foster who cannot get like I said, like she blames Sinn Fein for everything. And like these riots are happening. And the fact that they're even happening in loyalist communities shows that there's a tacit approval from the loyalist leadership that the riots are happening. Because like you have these incredibly sophisticated organized communities in the North of Ireland, Protestant and Catholic alike. And nothing happens in these communities without the approval of the leadership of you know, uh, either Sinn Féin or in the Loyalist communities, it could be the local paramilitary groupings, right? So when the Catholic neighborhoods of Belfast wanted to retaliate and riot, Sinn Féin uh, Republican activists were out in the streets. Uh, taking apart barricades and making sure the Catholic youths couldn't retaliate against Protestant incursions into their communities, right? Or, sorry, loyalist incursions into their communities. And so, you know, I think one of the interesting things about to understand about the north of Ireland is like, yeah, this rioting was spontaneous, I think, as a result of protests that were, organized by random folks. But the fact that the rioting was allowed to continue over several nights showed that there was a tacit approval from loyalist leadership, uh, whether it was in the organized political parties of loyalism or from the paramilitary groupings uh, within the north of Ireland. So, you know, it's like, basically, the north of Ireland makes your brain melt. You know, Um, (laughs) like I grew up um, on the border. You know, like, don't let my accent deceive you. But, like, I grew up, like, I'm 32 years old, and I grew up in, like, that generation that straddles before the uh, the Good Friday Agreement and after the Good Friday Agreement. And, like, there was a difference, you know? Like, like the partition of the north of Ireland from the Republic of Ireland had has had impacts in communities across the whole island. You know, like, I know that after the Good Friday Agreement, like a road outside of my friend's house, which would have been cratered for years by the British Army so that, you know, people couldn't get across it. Like, they built a bridge. I remember being younger and going to Gaelic football matches at Brewster Park and Fermanagh and seeing army patrols. You know, like, this is like a real part of people's lives. And I think that, like, we're 23 years out from the good friday agreement and people are starting to understand that like just cuz the war ended in 1998 um there's still a serious amount of work that need, needs to be done like people in the north of ireland understand that but i think like it's really interesting to see the media outside of ireland cop onto that as well you know so yeah
2: i i think like here in america we're not really taught um world news or world uh, historic events uh really at all and and that's always like surprising when you talk to people with be- like either better ties to other countries or from other countries and they're like you just you never learn
1: this and it's like yeah we,
0: we like, barely learn like american politics
1: <laughs> we hardly well, learn anything what's crazy is like not for nothing like yeah this is the united states and people aren't going to learn about what happens in You know, like growing up in an Irish community, like in the United States, like I knew intimately what was going on in Ireland, not just because, you know, I was Irish American, but because like every July, which is called the marching season in the north of Ireland, when um, um, loyalist marching bands, what they do, there's a sense of triumphalism. I can't speak English real good, but there's like a sense of triumphalism that of like this colonizing class. Right. And so, what they would do every July is they celebrate a battle that wasn't even fought in the north of Ireland every July 12th, where the Catholic army was defeated, right? Uh, <clears throat> by marching through Catholic neighborhoods and just essentially letting them know that this is our country. You do not, like, you are the Rude. column. Yeah. Like, we own <laughs> this country. It is. No, no, really. Like, in 1998, like, like growing up as a kid, like, you would hear stories about the Gorvahi Road, which is a Catholic neighborhood in the north of Belfast, where um, not only would these these bands try and march through and the Catholic community would say no and then there would be riots, but also like little little school children would try and go to school and you like, and I'm talking like, I mean, listen, I know this fits into a narrative, but these are like little girls in Catholic school uniforms having bottles of piss thrown at them by grown men, you know? And so like, this is the type of atmosphere that, you know, uh, the Catholic community grew up in and like you know you're seeing today that like there's been great strides made in the nationalist community in the form of education in the form of um getting more access to housing and jobs that like it seems like oppression um but really the issue is is like the all the communities are being failed by the leadership in the sense that like you know you can't eat a flag Like at the end of the day, right? Like Mm -hmm. economic devastation, uh, like is something that cuts across both classes. The working class Catholic minority, or the the working class Catholic folks, and the working class Protestants are both being impacted by uh, colonial capitalism in the north of Ireland. And I think that like religion is one of the tools that are used to separate people um, and ensure that they cannot come together and unite and fight for better conditions in their communities. Um yeah, yeah, it's like exacerbated on purpose
2: and that's like something that we see everywhere. I mean, we we see that in in uh in America as well and it like it it can map on very easily to how different um ethnic minorities are fighting amongst themselves or like even in the middle east like this these re- religions are pitted against each other by yeah the colonial western powers and like yeah it's it's that part of the story um i think it's important for people to understand because i think it's often mapped on i think it's often like mapped onto like racial dynamics which of course like exacerbate mm-hmm. shit even more but like you can see it when, when you look at northern ireland and 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 like the uk in general and like that history of, of colonization that it doesn't necessarily have to have a racial component to be uh, a colonialist um and um to um have like legitimate reasons to um engage in like uh yeah kind of a nationalist politics um or anti that that are actually anti-colonial and not like uh, Nationalist in the way that us Americans right, think about yeah. it, which is like, yeah, it's it's evil. it's weird
1: because like, <laughs> all right, so like, just to break it down real quick, right? Like, there are four words. So, republic. <laughs> I mean, like, all right, like in Ireland, it's crazy, right? Like, one, we have our own slang, like, and we have our own language, we have our own slang. Like, we literally have our own language called the Irish language. Oh, yeah,
0: and you, you yeah, you. I remember, I think I referred to it as Gaelic, because yeah. that's what I was told, and you're like, no, it's just Irish. It's just Irish. You're speaking, yeah. you just talk Irish.
1: Yeah, so you speak <laughs> Irish, Gaelic is the umbrella of languages, but, like, like, not for nothing, you know, it's funny, like, Republican, nationalists. so this is what trips up Americans when they look at this stuff is because they see Republican and they think, yeah. oh, it must mean, like, American Republican. Like the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... Yeah, or, like, they <laughs> see Nationalists. Understand. Or it's not even, you know, like, yeah. it's just, like, a matter of, yeah. like, uh, Americans, what they do, what's crazy about, like, it's so funny growing up in both countries, but, like, so you get to see, one, how stupid the United States is, but how stupid everywhere is, like... Um, Americans wanna map their politics onto the whole world and expect that everything works out that way, right? So it's like, like in the north of Ireland, a Republican is someone who believes in a Republican 32-county socialist republic. So, right, so like Sinn Féin is a Republican party, right? Um, the Republican tradition in Ireland is hundreds of years old and was in fact started by um, Protestants, Uh over the course of, you know, from the 1798 rebellion. Um, There's nationalists, which is like a moderate form of republicanism that believes in like a nation, like a nation once again. Um, Then you have unionists, which is like a moderate form of loyalism, which means that they believe in a political situation uh, to create, um, to keep Northern Ireland and the United Kingdom as one country, one country, right? And then loyalism, they are the more militant, like the paramilitary groups. These would be like uh, the Ulster Defense Association, the Ulster Volunteer Force. Like these would be paramilitary groups that wanna use violence to intimidate Catholics and to intimidate um, citizens of the North of Ireland in order to stay in the United Kingdom. So like what's crazy about all that too is like it's one thing for people in america to not know this stuff but like if you go to england or if you go to great britain they don't either like i just saw this really funny tweet um this woman ifa she was like all right here's a picture of every me asking english men on twitter on tinder what they know about the north of ireland and like nobody had a clue (laughs) you know
3: that's awesome so like Um, that's that's like I, i feel like oh go ahead sorry
1: no 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 please 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 sorry
3: it was going to be a dumb joke about like the or like granders? everything the u.s <laughs> every like bad stereotype of the u.s is like absolutely a, like worse in in england like oh, are... yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. we, we do a lot of like um Like we, we kind of try, I think in the U S to soften the image of the UK and as part of our like ascendancy in the 20th century as the largest superpower. And so you end up like, you just end up with all these like, Oh, the English, Oh, their food sucks. And like, it's like, no, these guys carried out a Holocaust in Mm -hmm. Kenya, like, and beans for breakfast in Ireland. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's uh Oh yeah. Oh yeah how how often do these things pop up um with it like it's been 22 years 23 years since like things have calmed down
1: so like in the north of ireland you know in the past 23 years um there's been you know flashpoints and rioting you know as 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 you would right like in the same way in the united states there's always civil unrest but like apparently so like from what some people are saying is like these are the worst riots in 6 years. Like it's the first time that they've had to bring water cannons out for 6 years and the last time that happened what is it 2022? What are, it's 2021. So that would be like 2015, right? So that's the flags. <laughs> so right. oh
0: they couldn't fly their Union Jack or something. Yeah,
1: so in Belfast so once again to make this very simple uh like the union jack flag was flown outside of belfast city hall every day of the year and then um, either the alliance. so there's a party that is very moderately unionist but also like mostly just liberal and they're called the alliance party and they get a cross community support basically from the middle class catholics and the middle class protestants of the north of ireland and i think and i could be wrong but essentially they became an, a person from the alliance party became the mayor or it was Sinn Féin, and they said, okay, the Union Jack is only going to fly six days a year. And the loyalist community proceeded to riot incessantly over... No! <laughs> and it became like, like I'm not going to do a Northern Irish accent, like, I'm not going to do a Belfast accent, because that would be so mean to my cousins. Um, but <laughs> basically, like, it's called my flag. And, like, you had people screaming out flags, and, like, you had... And so, like, this whole new crop of unionist activists, somebody, like... And like the 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 thinness of their argument became very evident up very quickly you know in the sense that like you know they're fighting for these symbols because at the end of the day when you ha- when you look at like the issues in the loyalist community the economic devastation like it's very similar to what you see in the north of england it's very similar to what you see in post-industrial irish towns or in post-industrial you know the whole west you see Um, working class communities that have been devastated as a result of neoliberalism and the difference between the loyalist community and the republican community is um, in the loyalist community they're fed these symbols and they're saying that it's the rise of catholics that are making it harder for you to have the life that you once had which was basically like if you were a Protestant youth, you didn't need an education. You could just walk into a job at Harland and Wolf, which was the biggest shipbuilder in Belfast, or you could get right. all these industrial jobs. Whereas if you were a Catholic, you couldn't get a house, you couldn't get a job, you couldn't get anything. Um And now what it is, is it's become more difficult because Protestants now have to compete with Catholic youth for these jobs that... um
2: They're disappearing, but that's a larger thing that's happening. It's not, yeah. It, yeah. I, I do feel like there there are a lot of like similar dynamics depending on like like not like not I'm not saying like um United States national politics at all but like in um like I often think about like if the United States really did like Balkanize and like um our states were the size of European countries and like how how these things would be like talked about differently or like whatever cuz I I think about like Um, my, my area of Queens, right? So there's this big expose that just came out about, um, Ridgewood Queens, um, that gets into like the literal Nazi history of the neighborhood, like literal, like, um, like they would do these, um, big gatherings at Madison square garden. Um, they were like friends of Germany. They were like all of these like homeowner types, um, It's like extremely fucked. Um, And um, a lot of that shit, like it it, like carries on and is like still kind of present in the neighborhood. But there's there's also all these dynamics of like um, different like uh, descendants of immigrants. So like Irish Americans, um, Italian Americans, and like just all sorts of people here now at this point. But the thing about this part of Queens that I think um, people might not understand is that there was all of these, it it is kind of a post-industrial town. Like there was all these factory jobs and they're all gone. And they were literally replaced with a mall and the mall is called Atlas Park Mall (laughs) named after the factory park that used to be there. And (laughs) they, and, and, and of course that breeds reactionaries and it breeds these like, like, type of reactionaries that like are like you know um yeah the immigrants are taking our jobs like that is like the thing that is like the stereotype of middle america but it's right fucking here and like you know hip happen in uh ridgewood like you know it's like everywhere it's it's yeah. it's very it's a dynamic that it, it, it keeps happening because of neoliberalism you know
0: I mean, even in the, I was watching uh, the Patriot Games, the 1979 documentary about, uh, I, tw- I tweeted it. It's on YouTube, but you can torrent it better quality. Um, it's like IRA in their own words. And they were pretty explicitly saying, um, you know, it's about, it's not really about like Catholics and Protestants. It is, but it isn't. It's more about how like the English imperialism onto this island has uh created this economic de- devastation that's pitting us against each other and like we're for a united ireland it's stuff, stuff like that it also goes into like free dairy and like when i believe the british army cut off the bus cut off the buses so the ira came up with their own little transportation system of you know Private cabs for three months. Only the Catholic areas were uh, cut off from buses. By the way, the still still had their little buses.
2: But you know what? You know what? I watched on Netflix was Dairy Girls, which <laughs> is a very cute show set in the nineties, uh, <laughs> like right around you know nineteen ninety eight. A lot of cranberries. In, <laughs> I think they use the cranberries as a theme song.
1: Oh my gosh. Bon- so <laughs> like, can't wait for Bono to try. What's to crazy about all that? Like? Yeah. Yeah, well Bono got like who was it? Uh a couple of months ago, Bono was get one, Bono gets ripped apart on by Irish Twitter all the time because like in Ireland, God forbid, like one, Bono's a prick. Two, God forbid you do well because everyone will just put you pull you down. But Bono told Bon Jovi so Bono first and foremost is from an upper middle class part of Dublin. He is half Protestant, half Catholic. <clears throat> um and he told Bon Jovi that he grew up having to fight off like orange men, which are like Protestants uh, on the streets of Dublin. And Bon Jovi said this in an interview, and it became like this whole thing on Irish Twitter, like ripping apart Bono for um, telling people that he had to fight his way through like the upper class suburbs of Dublin, you know, fighting off orange (laughs) men left, right and center. You know, it was a running riot his whole childhood. But yeah, like I think like Northern Ireland like, really
0: radicalized them into centrism. Radical yeah.
1: centrism is Bono, <laughs> you know. <laughs> seriously. It's, oh, seriously, it's 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 fucked. Um, I think like Dairy Girls is really interesting because it's like introducing this part of like first and foremost, like one of the problems with being Irish is like so much of our media and like so much of our writing. Like as it goes to the wider world is like it shows this part of like Irish working class life that is so fucking depressing it shows that we have no joy and no life and no humor like it's all Angela's ashes where it's like and then the Shannon took my baby and the rain came and if Jesus was Irish he would have died of pneumonia my sister who (laughs) was already
0: dead (laughs) my sister who was already dead and then then my mother (laughs)
1: And I love this woman and then she died of the consumption, you know, and like it's like not reflect like I grew up in a working class rural community um, in Ireland and like that's just not the case, right? Like there was definitely struggles like liberalism and the failure of the government north and south of the border has forced like I'm 32 and like everyone I grew up in my little parish lives on the west coast of Australia in a place called Perth you know, Mm -hmm. or they live in England. There's one guy that did really well for himself and he's a presenter on Irish TV, but like he was the (laughs) exception, you know, and he's very funny. Um, But like, you know, you look at Derry Girls and like it shows this, like how the struggle for or the struggle or the troubles or the struggle for Irish independence, like, really like it was an all encompassing part of life, but it wasn't every part of life, or it showed that like, there's a ridiculousness in keeping, like how to separate working class Protestants and working class Catholics when there were so many similarities there, you know? Um, I think one of the interesting things about what's happening with Brexit and like something that I've never noticed in my life is how a United Ireland has never felt so inevitable as it has been recently and i think what's coming out of the woodwork is you're seeing all these like first and foremost don't read the irish times it's uh like the new york times but based in dublin they even fucking allow maureen <laughs> dowd to write a column you know oh boy you know what i'm saying wow. like it's like it's like neoliberal trash um read the Ir read the irish news you know Read, don't read the Irish Independent because that's even worse um, you know um, but like yeah, I think- let's
3: get a list of the, the oh, yeah. publications
1: <laughs> you can read Anne Foblock I'm uh, going to write these down yeah. uh, I mean like you know I read the Irish News that's how I found out somebody from the Sopranos just died today um, wait
3: what? Who? The, guy who plays,
1: <laughs> the guy who plays Tony Soprano's father uh, he's a real bit character has died in 61
0: Sixty one's young. That's oh, I'm young. so old that now I'm like sixty one.
1: Sixty one <laughs> is young.
0: It is young. I didn't, so, I guess I haven't seen twenty. Oh, he was Irish.
1: No, no, he Wait. wasn't Irish. It's just you oh. know, it's a it's an important part of news. So you it was on the Irish news front page today. Yeah,
0: um, my channels haven't picked up on it yet. But like, I'm like,
2: wow, they they hired an Irish guy to play an Italian. Oh, uh, uh, building bridges,
1: yeah. building bridges. <laughs> you know, but like, what you'll see is like, like you see in the Irish Times, you'll see all these people talking about like the fe- like you're seeing like this fear of the end of partition so like you're seeing like all these neo-partitionists like people so the partition of ireland is the border right and so like what i call like what people call neo-partitionists is like people today in the republic of ireland advocating for the continued partition into two states and like not for nothing like the good friday agreement says that there has to be a border referendum if the majority of ireland if it may if the the british secretary in ireland Deems that the majority of people in Northern Ireland want a border referendum. It has to happen, and I think like what's happening is a couple of things, right? Like what the point of these riots are is the loyalist leadership uh, holding the island of Ireland hostage. One, for more money, which they just got; they got ten million pounds the other day. And two, what they're doing is they're trying to raise the political cost and free, like up or to f- make neo-partitionists in the Republic afraid of a united ireland like they want to make it seem like hmm. you're not listening to us like it's like, like this
0: violence is inevitable type of thing
1: yeah yeah it's like okay do you really want us to be in your state you know even though we've had a lot like
0: the the plea that they were attacking like the peace wall that said uh there's no no such thing as like a, a good war or like a bad peace and they're like throwing like petrol so, bombs okay. over it or something Yeah, so,
1: okay, so, like, let me, no, 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 Well, so that wall right there is called the Peace Wall, so, like, let me, so, so Belfast itself is a a city of, like, 500,000 people plus, and it's the capital of Northern Ireland, and it's a city that um, was, unfortunately, it's, like, the perfect city for urban guerrilla war, right, because... (laughs) like you walk around the you walk around west belfast and like the houses so first and foremost oh man i swear like it makes sense but like all right so if you look at belfast there's the city is segregated on sectarian lines so the majority of west belfast is catholic and republican the majority of east belfast is um protestant in west belfast you have protestant pockets like little Protestant neighborhoods, same as in East Belfast. North Belfast is predominantly Protestant with larger pockets of Catholic neighborhoods. And South Belfast itself is middle class, right? And more diverse. Um And so like when you go to what are called interface areas, it's where these Protestant communities and these Catholic communities meet up. There are these giant peace walls separating them. And at night, especially when there are disturbances, these big massive steel gates, I'm talking they're like 20 feet tall with barbed wire on the top are closed. And so in Catholic communities in the north of Ireland, especially in Belfast um, and in communities across the north of Ireland, but the more famous murals are in, Belfast and Derry, you see um, in Catholic communities, especially along like off the Falls Road, you see, which is a major Catholic population center, you see murals to, you know, Irish independence celebrating our dead martyrs. But like you also see celebrating Frederick Douglass, celebrating the struggle for Palestinian independence, Nelson Mandela, you know, how the 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 struggle for irish independence is connected to the world the global struggle for working class liberation and national liberation when you go to the loyalist side or the protestant communities one the houses are larger and they're more spread out because in the post war building boom that happened after belfast was leveled by the nazis or like was bombed by the nazis the houses in the mm-hmm. Protestant communities were larger, more spread out, but when you go over there, there's immediately Union Jacks, Israeli flags, Confederate flags, and um, the Ulster, Confederate flag. Ulster flags, right? Like they might not draw the Confederate flags, but you'll see Confederate flags hung around the neighborhood because um, the reason that happens is not necessarily because they believe in a neo-Confederacy, but it's this idea that they're, the Scotch-Irish population of the United States mm-hmm which fought mainly for the Confederacy is connected directly to the Protestant population of the North of Ireland. Right. And oh, it's that...
3: like harder to get away with flying a Nazi flag
1: there. That's I mean, what I've heard, yeah. Like you can't get a fly a Nazi flag. Yeah. But like, even then, you know, during the eighties and nineties, um, neo-Nazi groupings like combat 88, um, in the UK would have been connected with, um, Protestant, like, loyalist militias mm-hmm. in Northern Ireland, right? Mm. Is that... Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh, is the Confederate flag type type of thing, is that, part, like, part of the, like, uh, how the Irish became white trajectory of, like...
1: Well, it's, like, uh... I think it has more to do with, like... So, on the Catholic side, like, there's a lot of connections to, you know, how the Catholic cause for liberation is universal or, like, the Republican cause for liberation is universal, and there's this connection to how the Catholic Irish helped build the United States. So you see murals to Kennedy and in some ways, uh, Barack Obama, who is one eighth Irish uh, from <laughs> <laughs> right. So if you go to Moneygall, which is this tiny little crossroads and awfully, there's like a whole Barack Obama gas station or pet. Are- oh, so my God.
0: God. This is your second Catholic president
1: well joe biden joe biden (laughs) joe biden's our third third president no but Um,
0: if but if if obama's one one eighth i mean yeah then
1: biden's the third right
0: this changes everything (laughs) you could
1: i mean listen we're irish we claim everybody
0: just two irishmen in the in the white house
1: (laughs) they're just two patties (laughs) coming together trying to fix the world um but like if you go to the protestant side You'll see murals to um, President Buchanan, who is voted the worst president of all time because he was the last president before the American Civil War. You see, mm-hmm. like like murals to Andrew Jackson, you know, oh, the, um, he's the worst because enemy, like that's who opinion. they identify. Yeah, with. I
3: would say, yeah, yeah, Jesus,
2: no, it makes sense, and, and I think it's also confusing for Americans because like uh, American Catholics got uh, kind of led astray by like these like different you know anti-abortion schemers that like tied because our political system is so tightly entwined with just the two parties um things like like they're able to hook them in with anti-abortion like they was just very very calculated like i think there was a, a, a at one point a lot of like catholic americans were kind of like depoliticized or not like participating in elections that much or whatever and then uh, when abortion became a national issue which was like a very calculated media move
0: yeah
2: um that politicized them to be more conservative uh you know th- kind yeah, of i think
0: i think the anti abortion thing was uh you know contrived to woo over to like get a majority exactly
2: yeah because well,
0: before i think catholics might have been the only one that were like man we don't really do that it, I think it, it was just more, more like, like a like, casual like procedure it but like, it
2: it became like a big deal like every yeah. every catholic because i was baptized catholic um really yeah i was baptized catholic <laughs> oh, and I, I i, yeah, I went to catholic perfect. school every fucking wednesday and um and then i got scared of the like graphic anti-abortion propaganda yeah. they put in my second grade classroom and i i remember telling my mom about it and then my mom like talked to one of the higher up or priests about it and and they were like oh you're just uh i know what your deal is and and like they got mad at my mom for having like a, a rainbow like a pro gay rights sticker or something uh, and uh and then we basically got kicked mm. out of the catholic church oh for, for oh being too it liberal like, like,
0: i mean catholic church still bad
2: no, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it's yeah. just but then yeah. then like, she switched to like episcopal which is funny like she switched to episcopal and then I at, at when eventually I was a young teen and I was just like I don't believe in any of this I don't want to do any of this my dad is literally Jewish he did like <laughs> like this doesn't make any sense like we're like two <laughs> why did we pick this one over like the other religion that's in yeah that? I mean I the
3: know. like Catholicism also has like very different Contexts in different parts of the United States because I'm from Texas. And so like, honestly, the Catholic church on some levels feels very like a little fish in a, in a big pond because like the, <laughs> the Baptists are so insane right. and the evangelicals are just right. so, so extreme. And I think like they, like the Catholics were, uh it, like it was the same move, like Reagan in the 80s and trying to turn abortion into this thing that would like, because my understanding, my um, mom's family's Catholic and that it was kind of, at least in the South, they were like New Deal Democrats style, um, like Irish and uh, Tejano or like Latino people are are the Catholics. And so they're seen as like the gentler kind of Christian <laughs> Um but it's shit, true we didn't have a lot up. of
2: evangelicals but they do exist in new york they're just they're not as big of a presence yeah. i
0: mean all like the marshalls like all the marshalls uh home decor that has like bible stuff my bf is not doesn't understand christianity or catholicism and so i'm like oh no that's like that's not catholic like, anyone who has that in their home that's not a catholic thing that's christianity yeah, that's not
3: so th- so, like an evangelical, I, this was a line I would hear a lot growing up: is that Catholics aren't Christians? Because <laughs> like, I like that line. I like. <laughs> I was, uh, but that time, it's literally that they're idolaters. Idolaters. Oh my god! I, yeah. What is yeah. I like
1: that yep. Yeah, we pray to saints, but that
3: probably is what it's like in Ireland too. Oh
0: yeah. Well, like, I mean, well, that's well, another maybe thing about that's that's the Irish though. thing is like with the 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 apartheid it's like it, they weren't arguing about like when a baptism should be it's not like oh he, it's not like they're actually arguing about religion right it's are they yeah i mean are they like yeah oh, so stupid like, catholics
1: no and not, not anymore <laughs> yeah, right what is it? no so it's not like you, you know Saint like, Anthony. Like the fight is off, not you know? about like the concept huh. It's not about whether or not Jesus Christ is consecrated in the wine, like it's the blood of Christ and like the bread Mm, is the body. Like that's not what the argument is about, right? The argument is essentially a material argument where, one, first and foremost, the two worst things that ever happened to the island of Ireland, number one was the British Empire or the English, and two was the Catholic Church, right? And so like every problem in Ireland today on the whole island can be blamed either on the Brits or on the Catholic church. And so when you look at like Protestants and Catholics up in the North of Ireland, does it, is it about like religion? No, it's about the cultural connections that you have as a result of the religion you were born into and not just the cultural connections, but the networks that your family had historically. Right. So like if you were Protestant in the North of Ireland in the time before, the troubles, or even in the time up to the Good Friday Agreement, and in some pl- in some ways today, you had better access to jobs, you had better access to housing, and you had the ability to move as someone who basically controlled society. You were in, you could join the you, you would join the police, and you would know that you were protecting your community and suppressing another. Um, and if you were Catholic. You had none of these things. You were a victim of pogroms. Like in Belfast, there's a reason that like West Belfast is a particularly Catholic area, and that's because Catholic communities in that were isolated from other wider uh, Catholic neighborhoods were burnt out in the you know in the 1920s, 1930s. Um, after, during World War Two, when the Blitz happened and Belfast and Derry were bombed, it was Protestant neighborhoods that were built quickly, and it was Catholic neighborhoods that sat in rubble for longer. And I think that, you know, in the post-war era, like what you saw was that there was a civil, like one of the things that people don't, and like, it's very easy to say that the struggle is solely about Irish independence, which it is in a lot of ways. But the troubles or like the war in the North of Ireland started because of the suppression of the civil rights movement. So like the quote, like, the Troubles also is a name given to it by the English because, like, the news in England would describe the Troubles in Northern Ireland, right? Like, it was called the Trou- like it was a fucking low, it was a civil war, a sectarian civil war on the scale with like Bosnia, on scale with Beirut. You know, you had people They're
0: arguing over there. They're arguing across <laughs> yes. the water. It's just it's- a discrepancy. We can hear it, over- it yeah. at night, but <laughs> yeah, the but Troubles. Like- what a week. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like it was a civil war. And like it started because Catholics were agitating for civil rights in a peaceful manner. And like, what you saw was that there was a student movement led by, you know, the Nationalist Party led by Catholics are agitating for better housing, agitating for access to jobs and education, and the end of gerrymandering. And there are two things that are key is like one, There's parts of the north of Ireland that are predominantly Protestant and predominantly Catholic. And one of the cities, the second largest city in the north of Ireland is called Derry. And it's it's called Derry City. And it is 80% Catholic. And somehow a city that was 80% Catholic, let's say there were 10 city council seats, 10 government seats. Eight of those government seats were held by unionists. And two of them were held by nationalists. So the city was gerrymandered in order to make it so that the mm-hmm. Catholic majority had zero power. And when students and you know activists in the north of Ireland in the '60s were agitating for uh, access to voting and access to housing, they organized a march from Belfast to Derry, and it was like it's like a sixty-mile march, right? And over the course of that march, they come to a field, and then it's it's a valley, and all of a sudden you have the police on one side, you know, and the... the so not only is the police called the Royal Ulster Constabulary, the RUC at the time, but also there was a paramilitary squad called the B-Specials, and they were an auxiliary troop in order to prop up the police presence. And you have the police, and you have the B-Specials, and you have... A loyalist mob essentially charged down and beat these nonviolent protesters, some of which, you know, almost to death, in order to stop them from agitating for civil rights. And so the troubles essentially kicks off because you're making it so that um, people people don't want violence. No one like no one ever wants to riot. No one ever wants violence. They do it because they have no opportunity left, right? And I think like a big part of the trouble starts because you're not allowing people access to jobs and housing. And then coupled with that, there's this loyalist response to any attempt at Catholics agitating for their own rights. So what they do is they unleash these pogroms on Catholic neighborhoods in Belfast. And so some of the first armed conflicts happened in Belfast when the IRA with uh, the old IRA, which is like, you know, remnants of the border campaign in the 50s and 60s, which is like a failed attempt at restarting the revolution of the 20s or the, you know, teens. What you have is like these older IRA members defending Catholic neighborhoods from loyalist mobs with guns that are provided to them by the Protestant state in order to burn out their homes. And so essentially, these conflicts... the the initial trouble starts as a result of um, loyalists and unionists attempting to suppress the Catholic civil rights movement through violence. And that's why you had 30 years of conflict. At every opportunity, Catholics have attempted to use peaceful means, or the nationalist community attempted to use through peaceful means to attain their rights as citizens. And it was only until, they had no other way did violence become the main mode of those pleas. So
0: is that related I think the other day you were explaining that the Sinn Fein wasn't allowed to was like the rightfully elected uh government, but wasn't allowed to take power.
1: So like this goes back to so like What's really crazy about Irish history is, first and foremost, I know you hear, you might hear this a lot as a joke, but like, we were invaded, fucking eight, over eight hundred years ago by the English, and then the island of Ireland was handed to the English by the Pope. So, like, let's fucking get it straight here. But, um, like, in 1916, we have what's called the Easter Rising.
3: Ancient tribal conflicts. Sorry, go on. Angel. Tribal.
1: <laughs> how can we, ma- you know, map Marxism onto ancient tribal conflicts? Uh, let me help you in three easy steps. Um, no, but check it, right? So like in 1916, we have the Easter Rising in, in Dublin. And from that, you know, you have um, a city, the city of Dublin that took on an empire and lost. But we have this heroic narrative. And over time, that that violent uprising stems and goes into political organizing. And the main political party, For Republican ambitions in Ireland is called Sinn Fein, right? This is old Sinn Fein, and in 1918 they organize uh, to take parliament, like they organize to win an election, and they take, they run the table, right? Like they take every Catholic seat, you know, like even the Labour Party of James of, you know, the Labour Party of old. Right. Like even steps aside to allow Sinn Féin to take their seats. So like of a hun- let's say there's 100 seats that Ireland has in Westminster, 75 are taken by Sinn Féin and 25 are taken by the Union, the Ulster Unionist Party in the north of Ireland. Right. Sinn Féin does chooses not to recognize Westminster because it's a foreign government and they say, OK, check it. We're going to step aside and create our own government. And this will be the first doll the first parliament of DAL Haranan, which is the Irish parliament. And so, all um, ever since then, the position of Sinn Féin has been we do not recognize the illegal government of like the illegal occupation of ireland by westminster and so that's why today like remember like a couple of years ago jeremy corbyn like om- almost became the prime minister of england and like there was a bunch of memes of like fucking, uh jerry adams coming out with a chair and hitting like <laughs> fucking maggie or what's her name Teresa may with a chair and it's like it's jerry adams from the rafters <laughs> and everyone's like why can't shin fain why like, like it's like jerry adams and jeremy Corbyn, my new best friend um and it's like why can't they do that and the reason shin Fein would never do that is because england is a separate country from from ireland and like we yeah. don't recognize their government
2: don't even recognize it yeah don't even
1: recognize it and so like you know so the policy of shin Fein in northern ireland over time And Ireland has been to like recognize so like in 1986, Sinn Féin decides to recognize um, the Republic of Ireland and and run for elections down there, or like in 1981, really, but 86, they take their seats. And then in 1998, with the Good Friday Agreement, they decide to recognize the state of Northern Ireland and take their seats there. um, And have been in government, but they still refuse to take their seats in Westminster. I see. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I know, <laughs> you know.
2: So. No, its its it is it it is a lot. And I you know, I wish that a lot of our like local politics here had this nuance cuz like I feel like, you know, um those of us who are really um engaged on on a on a local level there is like all these like weird nuances. Um I'm yeah, I I I guess I um I'm wondering like what, what people think about like different, uh, strategies of emerging out of these like same, uh, tired, um, two political parties and, um, pulling some maneuvers like that of our own in the United States. (laughs) Is it possible? Like me as like, uh, an elections worker, sometimes reading the elections handbook seeing how all those rules shake out. It's very, very difficult. They make it very difficult, I will say.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of interesting to see how, like, when you go to Belfast or when you go to Derry, like, these are, like, especially in the nationalist and Republican communities, like, these communities are incredibly politically aware, right, so, like, when you were arrested as a Sinn Féin activist or as an IRA member and you were in prison, you were immediately enrolled in if you chose to, but for the most part, many did into open university, which, or, or into Irish language lessons. Like, and so like you have Sinn Féin activists who are thoroughly enmeshed into the works of Marx, uh, Fanon, you know, um, what's your man's name? The Brazilian fellow who talked about education, the pedagogy of the oppressed, right? Oh, Paul, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? And so
1: like, What they're doing is they're coming out and they, like, political education is a big part of uh, the nationalist community. So much so that, like, when you talk to, so, like, one of the best, like, so one of the more interesting things to come out of this is, like, there's this rap group in the north of Ireland in Belfast called Kneecap. And, like, they're an Irish language rap group and they're, like, straight up, they're straight up socialist anti-fascists, you know? And what they do is they rap about the um issues of the working class communities in in the north of Ireland in the Irish language um, and it, and I think like that kind of to me is indicative of the the energy of the of the trajectory of the the Republican communities that like their focus is on constantly politically organizing you know like there is no vacuum of leadership, right like these people have an ideological socialist, uh, political tendency, and they are moving forward with that in mind.
3: That's the part that's kind of mind blowing to me that there's an actual connection between like <laughs> what what people are feeling and like there is a political place for them. Although I'm sure, like, I mean, I, when I was trying to think about this earlier with regards to Brexit, it's like the EU is not a solution to like the problems of europe in general or ireland but then like that became this uh like the conversation there i think got really um smushed into just two answers and yeah. like equivocates things that don't do you know what i mean yeah um,
2: I think without within in a vacuum of political education you get just massive despair. You get just right, massive yeah. like directionist. so America, yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> no yeah. Yeah, there's Wild no yeah. jobs. <laughs> like there's no future and then there's like a, a lost generation and like I think I think that's kind of where we're headed, frankly.
1: I think what was crazy right. about the EU and like the North of Ireland was like like I remember I was a kid and you know there was a big difference in one first and foremost ireland has always until the 90s had no money you know what i'm saying like when we had like the great recession in 2008 i was a kid like i was a, um i was a teenager And the prime or the T. Shock of Ireland, Brian Cowan gets up, and he was the architect of the fucking whole problem. Anyway, he says, "We've been poor before, and we'll be poor again, so you might as well just get on with it." Like that was the argument he made,
0: right?
1: But like (laughs) the EU, some
0: Irish parenting, yeah.
1: (laughs) But like what the EU did was like it created this idea, like this almost complacency, right? This seamless Mm. border between the north of Ireland and the seamless border between the UK and the north of Ireland, and it allowed you to almost like the only difference between like when i was a kid if i wanted kfc we had to drive to enniskillen which was in the north of ireland right when it was the night before um halloween we had to go to Claher, which is in tyrone like to get fireworks and to get cheap beer right like it wasn't anything more like mentally the leap was like yeah we're in the north of ireland and like But like you could almost, it allowed for like this seamlessness, right? Like to forget for a moment that, you know, that there was this possibility of like what a free, what a United Ireland would look like. And I think that one of the problems with the Good Friday Agreement and like that complacency is that it allowed people to kind of not, not allowed people, because I don't want to speak for like the people of Northern Ireland, right? But like today society is not integrated 90 percent of people still Mm -hmm. go to schools of their own religion right so like Mm -hmm. if i'm catholic i go to a catholic school if i'm protestant i go to a protestant school and like not for nothing it's the same stuff in the free state right like i know growing up like one of the things is like there's no rate like you can't look at somebody and figure out if they're protestant or catholic but like you you, what you do is you ask kind of questions like where'd you go to school or like how do you pronounce the eighth letter of the alphabet like if you say, if you say H, you're a Catholic. If you say H, you're a Protestant. You know, like stuff like that, mm-hmm. like silly questions. If, like, what soccer team do you support in Glasgow? If you support <laughs> Ranger, you're a Protestant. If you support Celtic, you're a Catholic. You know, like these kind and, of things. yeah,
2: I was learning about all those soccer clubs, like in the the or football clubs, and then all like how some of them are like left wing clubs and like it's a way to kind of signal to people yeah i'm very very left wing because i'm into this football club
1: yeah and like (laughs) you get to also signal like your your community right and so like one of the things is is like what the what brexit has done is like made it very obvious because the north of ireland voted to stay in the eu that people want to be in the eu but like they also made it like made it turned up the temperature for loyalists who want to say no 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 mm-hmm. like it's not going to be as easy as like a democratic election which is what we all agreed to 23 years ago you know like they're almost like moving the goalposts you know mm. yeah so
2: right yeah they they are afraid i mean they're not like um fucking tony blair being like yeah let's uh let's do a referendum. It'll be fine. Uh, you know, like very, very confident and then <laughs> eating shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at this point there, they've, they've caught to the fact that, um, yeah, if you, if you let people express themselves, they're going to fucking do it. So yeah, you control them as much as possible through gerrymandering. <laughs> mm. Like make it, it, like here in the States, make it extremely difficult to even uh, being independent to parts, you know, to actually participate in, in, um, the electoral process. You have to be within these, um, these two, uh, ma- main political parties. It's, it, they just make it, they make participation as hard as possible. Um, and, you know, we, we see that happening worse in different States for different reasons. Um, too and it just yeah it, it it but without like political education to show people like exactly how this is a sham they can easily get recuperated into the right wing who will just be like this is a sham because of um, or lumpen
0: with lumpens yeah, like,
2: yeah, yeah 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 this is this is a sham because they the, the immigrants are taking their jobs or this is a sham because or like, um, who
0: cares anyway?
2: Or like, right? Or like, Trump won, also, and I'm going to go to the Capitol to to tell everybody because I know that elections are a sham. They are correct that elections yeah. are a sham. Like,
0: like but that's they're like, incorrect about some other things. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, exactly. that's what I mean. Right. Without like a yeah. proper political education as to like
0: yeah. what
2: actually is at play here, that people just like make, the lack
0: of communist teachers to yeah. like sway sway you. I haven't, like, present day, because I have another question about history. Is that, like, because the there's these, research, it's because it's 800-year-old conflict, and then there's this recycling of, like, previous groups, like, the IRA, the provisional IRA, the real IRA, the new, like, what? Oh, boy. What has happened? <laughs> like, is the real IRA, like, is Sinn Féin still, like, a socialist, you know, they like, is the IRA still like, we want a socialist republic?
1: So, okay. So you, you're you going to take a trip with me through the weeds and, and you guys can choose to put this in or not. So the provisional. Oh, we'll keep it. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. The IRA. Um, okay. The IRA was the Irish Republican army that fought in the war of independence from and it was an offshoot. Oh shit! Is my Mac gonna die or is my computer gonna die? I might have to pause this real quick. But um, so, like, the IRA is an offshoot of the Irish Republican Brotherhood, who fought in the 1916 uprising. The IRA fights the English army or the British army in the Irish War of Independence, based on the legitimacy of the false, the first doll in 1918, which I talked about, right? And so, um. The first doll that i talked about then in 1921 um uh, the ira wins independence but loses the six counties of the north of ireland and you know the, the ira then becomes the you know the republican government right so like there's then a civil war in 1922 and in this civil war you have what's called the old ira fighting against the free state government the old IRA loses their the old IRA is made up of like people who refuse to take the oath of allegiance to the crown, socialists communists, and anybody who sees that you know the free State government is gonna like is not learning the lessons of Colin Colin Connolly, where like you're just gonna hand the government over to the landlords and to the bosses um, and the church. And so okay, so that's the old IRA, right? The old IRA exists from the 1920s to the 1960s. Where they are flailing, their are interned during World War II because, like, there's this question of like, are they going to make things harder for England or the Free State government? Um, you know, because of like, you know, like, you know, England's if England's pro- like fighting in World War II, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So it's like, is the old IRA going to make f- nice with the Nazis and import weapons into Ireland in order to fight the English? So the Free State government interns everybody in in the Cara. Then in the 1950s, they have what's called the border campaign. I know this is, just stick with me here. So it's like you have the border campaign, which is a failed attempt to re-kick off an uprising in the north of Ireland. Then you have the civil rights movement, the attacks on the civil rights movement. And then in 1969, you have a split between the old IRA. And the old IRA splits into the official IRA, which is a Marxist grouping that wants to seek a political solution over time decides they want to seek a political solution through Marxist ends and the provisional IRA, which is what you would all know as the IRA, which is run by Jerry Adams or Jerry Adams was never in the IRA, who is, uh, he was
0: never in the, IRA. never in
1: the IRA, but what is run by the Irish army council, the way they get their legitimacy is they go to the, you know, it's, so it's actually run by a guy named uh, Rory O'Brodig and Dalty O'Connell, um, who coupled with like the Belfast leadership, which, May or may not include Jerry Adams, right? And so that so he he
0: still denies that he was in
1: the IRA. Yeah, and so like that's but. that's 1969, and then so from 1969 until 1998, the Provisional IRA fight a struggle for Irish independence, um, and in 1998 they signed the Good Friday Agreement. As a result of that, the as the result of the Good Friday Agreement and the recognition of the state of Northern Ireland, a set a portion of the IRA splits from the provisional IRA, and that's what you know as the real IRA, right? And so it was run by a, game, a guy named Mick McKivitt, um, and what they, they became the largest grouping of uh, the IRA in the north of Ireland uh, and were responsible for the OMA bombing, which was the largest bombing and death event in the north of ireland which actually interesting enough like almost killed my best friend growing up so like what's crazy is like my best friend one of my best friends growing up his uncle was in the ira and and died was killed in action right and then like every summer like You would go, everybody goes back to Ireland, like, you know, to go hang out with their cousins or their grandparents or whatever. And so my friend is back in Ireland and, like, he lives uh, in a small, his family's from a small village outside of Oma, which is like a big town in Tyrone. And the Oma bomb blows up, killing 29 people. And the only reason he didn't just drive by it was because he was stopped at a red light. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, you have that in 1998, and, like, that totally changes the conversation around um the ira was
0: was that before good friday no that
1: was after the good friday agreement so then
2: people are more like skeptical of the tactics or
1: well they are and they aren't right like they were always everyone like bombings and all that were never really no one was ever happy about the tactics like the the amount of support um in the community was not always high for bombings and stuff but there was always high support Depending on things that the British Army did, right? So, like, the IRA Mm -hmm. would get a lot of support for defending their communities. They'd get a lot of support after internment because, like, the British Army would do this thing where they'd only intern Catholics. Uh, They got a lot of support. Um,
0: This this wacky thing. Yeah.
1: um, I might have to go get my charger. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Do you mind if I pause real quick? and just get my charge. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, yeah, right, you, just go Let for me it. just
2: I'm just going to stop the recording and then we can like I'll go back
1: to. Sorry. Bye.
2: Thank you so much, John, for coming on the show. There's a whole part 2 we recorded that's on our Patreon that people can check out if they want more. John, it was lovely to talk to and very um, nice history lesson we got and then we talked a lot more like weird strategies and left Gossip um, in the second half, uh, um, but yes, thank you so much. Where can people find you besides Twitter, or is that the main
1: one? Yeah, no, I don't. I'm just some. I'm a humble stiff, just a city worker. I don't really have like.
0: He's a member of the working class. Yeah, oh, that's right. it's Scootlord with two zeros, though. <laughs> oh,
1: by the way, that is so that is so embarrassing, Darcy. It's so, like Scootlord. No, it's
3: great. I told it's somebody
1: good. asked me like, "What's your Twitter handle?" and I said it. I was like Scoot. <laughs> lord and like immediately got
0: embarrassed that i said it yeah yeah have try having come 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 like as an instagram (laughs) and then i have my like personal one that i started because i was like i gotta get away from this and now when i when someone asks for my instagram and it's in like the company of someone else who knows the come one and i say yeah where's he dialed or they're like what about your Instagram? and it's like Darcy. I like those because it's just
3: the real era of screen names. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: it's true. Yeah.
3: That's yeah. why I, I hated Facebook. Facebook. That's right. My, yeah. my face. My face. My space was
0: <laughs> the last true. Uh... Yeah.
2: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyone
0: else have any, uh,
2: anyone, anyone have anything blogs. coming
0: up that they want to shout out?
2: We're going to be at SUNY Purchase digitally on <sighs> on the 19th. Uh, so if you go to SUNY Purchase, you can listen yeah, to us again. I wish we could go in person be at the studio. I, I know, me too. And I person. went back once
0: and it, <laughs> it was a little weird, but it was cool.
2: I've gone back for the Zine Feast because I started Zine Feast. And so I'll go back and I haven't gone to all of them, but I've been to a couple. It's very cute. I just um, love
3: going on the Metro North. Oh, <laughs>
2: that's the thing <laughs> next time yeah all right if, if this shit ever ends SUNY Purchase have us back
0: <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll do yeah, culture okay. shock
0: <laughs> we'll point out our dorms
2: <laughs> yeah. bye bye everyone of
1: lots of fun let's have fun let's have fun let's have fun lots of fun